Dense like a pound cake, drowned in syrup. That sounds tasty. That's right. We're a Riverdale recap podcast here to talk about Chapter 83, Fire in the Sky. And and we start by resolving our our, uh, cliffhanger of two weeks ago. Yeah, if you remember, Archie and Jughead were going to be roasty little hot dogs. Yeah, but they were saved because Fred says safety first from beyond the grave. There are extinguishers all throughout the house. That Mr. Andrews being so prepared. (laughs) After, you know, kind of checking out the charred woodwork of the house, Mm -hmm. uh, Jughead finds Archie looking at a very dusty photo of his grandpa. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Jug, look, it's Grandpa Artie. He, He was in the fire department. And Jughead's reply is, oh, that's where this is going. He can see the future, this boy. Because he knows, he knows Archie is getting his new hobby. Mm-hmm. His new hobby of wanting to start a new fire department, which I predicted. You, uh, and you remember that time Archie was really into like cake decorating for two weeks? Yeah. And he tried to teach himself French, but he was just speaking in a bad French accent. He didn't know that it's a different language. Yeah. Yeah, he's had a lot of hobbies over the years. Archie's like, but Jughead, the best way to fight fire is with a fire department. Yeah, and instead of fighting fire with fire, you fight fire with a fire department. So, like, obviously... This tells me that Archie was throwing matches on the fire and wondering, Jughead, why isn't this working? Help me. (laughs) Bring the stove out here. We need more fire. I have a lot of questions now about Archie's life. (laughs) Like, if anything, this really puts, just really puts into perspective, though, his, like, commitment to music Mm -hmm. and football and boxing and crime (laughs) and being a vigilante and, like... Well, yeah, look look at all of the times he's had a new inspiration and completely swerved, like the, the Red Circle... And the red circle and the black circle. <laughs> it just the fact that Jughead's just like, okay, buddy, you have fun. <laughs> I'm gonna go to work. I have my own plot this episode because th- this opening segment is incredibly dense because every character God, everything moves so fucking fast. Every character in this episode has their own full a plot essentially, and they're all just th- this episode is like screaming at the seams. It, it is, is about to explode. It is whiplash. So next, we go visit our good buddy, Dr. Colonel Jr. The secret protagonist of Riverdale. Uh, We learned that he has not been replaced in the past seven years. It is still him. Uh, And Dr. Colonel Jr. has done an autopsy on the body that Betty has brought to him. That Kevin tripped over. (laughs) Because Kevin just finds all the bodies. All the bodies, this boy. Uh, And this body has been in the swamp for three years. The bog preserved it. I love, I love his delivery on this line. The bog preserved her (laughs) everything about dr colonel jr in this episode is pure perfection he's the best he's a professional this boy this actor (laughs) i adore him an award he every single word is perfectly performed and with such oomph he needs to play like i don't know herbert west or something he needs to do something to get more eyeballs on this guy Yes, it is not Polly, it is someone. So so, so it's so, up to Betty to figure out who this other mystery dead person is. Yes, and she makes 
Dr. Curdle Jr. promised to hang on to the body while she does that. And he's like, Kay. My pleasure, Agent Cooper. Mm. Um, so Veronica goes to Hiram and is like, you bitch, you tried to burn down Archie's house. <laughs> How dare you? And uh, they have a little kerfluffle mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, of where she's like, you did this. And he's like, you have no proof. I don't need proof. It was you. And, and this just became personal, daddy. They go very quickly because everything goes quickly this week. Between the inciting incident, this accusation of a specific arson, to the the general argument between them, you know, Veronica is is on board with resuscitating Riverdale, and Hiram is trying to to drain the life out of it for his own mysterious ends, including the fact that they have not had garbage pickup in months, and Hiram makes fun of how bad the town smells, like a corpse, because. Because he turned off the garbage pickup service. He's not in charge of the town. Couldn't they, like, turn it back on? There isn't a town. Who's who's there to turn it back on? Couldn't people kind of team up and pay for companies to come collect garbage? But with what money? And that gives Veronica an idea. Uh, so, uh, over at Pops, mm-hmm. uh, Archie is visiting with Chief Russell, who used to be in charge of the fire department. Yeah, he was... Uh, he used to be in charge of the fire department, and when he was uh, younger, before he uh, was in charge, he, he was the new kid on, on the force, uh, serving alongside Grandpa Artie. Yes. And Archie wants him to come out of retirement. He's just like, dude, Hiram shut us down. He firebombed the fire department. I don't have a death wish. Yeah, yeah. Like, I agree that we ought to have a fire department, but but getting that up and running again is, is a young man's game. So you do it. <laughs> neither I was born with neither of these hips, Archie. Come on. <laughs> or these knees. <laughs> it's all titanium from the waist down. Very hypoallergenic. Tony is uh, coaching cheer, mm-hmm. uh, coaching the vixens, when Cheryl busts in. She is all piss and vinegar. Oh, she is old-fashioned Cheryl. She is back. Hell yes. She, she is dropping lines like, you know, as Elton John says, the bitch is back in town. Mm-hmm. She's like, I challenge you to a dance-off. And she, Tony's like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> it's and so she, weird to see Cheryl in her high school clothes. Okay, she's totally just in her high school clothes. Yeah, is it, you think it's weird for her to be wearing her high school clothes after these seven years? Yeah, I'm like, you just had those lying around? You didn't get her to change any of your wardrobe in seven years? I think the real thing I noticed... These are her dance-off clothes. The real thing I noticed in this scene is how young they're casting the students. Like, they actually look mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. teens. Because they don't need to be in more than three minutes per episode. Uh-huh. 18, a vixen volunteers to be uh, uh, Tony's proxy for pregnancy. Her, her prego proxy. Yes. So they, they have their dance-off very, like... Cheryl, Veronica version back when. Yeah, and, and Cheryl has no hope of victory. Th- this child was raised... Oh, she's good. She, she was raised by Fortnite and TikTok, okay? <laughs> My favorite part of this is the zoom in on Cheryl shaking butt and yes. then the zoom in on Tony's face. <laughs> oh, she notices. <sighs> it, it's a very nostalgic ass shake. And she's like, mm-hmm, I know mm-hmm. that ass shake. Mm-hmm. Fond memories. Fond memories. memories. Remember that time they had breakup sex in Le Bonnui? No. That's the secret hottest sex scene. That's better than the for- Betty and Archie I in the shower. I forgot about that. Oh, it's good. So then they do like a, uh, okay, like let's cheer to find out who won, but yeah. it's like a tie. It's a 100% to 100% split of the vote. 
I mean, honestly, I thought the teen won a little bit more. I thought the teen won a little bit more because yeah. I thought Tony didn't cheer for Cheryl, but she cheered for the teen. <laughs> ah, okay. All right. Uh, but Cheryl's all, or Tony's all like, well, we can, you know, share control if your ego can handle it. Well, this is what we'll do. Because that's worked so well in the past. Sure. Fine. Uh, and so Cheryl's like, fine, for now. Get back to work. <laughs> she just like snaps at them and calls them buffoons. You know, she's a role model. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Veronica goes to see Archie and she's like, yeah, my dad denies setting your porch on fire. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> uh, but then uh, they talk about how like, you know, they need this volunteer fire department. And she's like, you know what? My best friend, Katie Keene, her friend Jorge had this boyfriend who like was a fireman. Yeah. In New York. So, like, let's bring him here, I guess, because we got to, like, tie this into Katie Key. We need an expert in firemanning, and I have just the, the secondary spinoff character to do the job. What was his name? Beefy something? His name was Bernardo Brigsby. Brigsby? No, you said he had a nickname. Oh, yes. Beefcake Bernardo. Yes. Beefcake Bernardo. That's who we're calling in to teach firefighting. It's a fitting nickname. He is a beefcake. He's He's very beefy. Uh, I mean, cake is in the eye of a beholder, but he is all beef. Yeah, he's like not my type of cake, <laughs> but i he's beefy. You're very picky about your cakes. I am, and he's not my type. Okay. In addition to running with this idea, Veronica uh, gets the idea to uh, revive, you know, Riverdale's struggling economy. So she goes to her economics class mm-hmm. and is like, hey. Hey, dumbasses, listen up. Your homework is indentured servitude. Let's go. Uh, renovate my storefront in a cha- in exchange for not doing your midterm. <laughs> Anyone? Uh, uh, Takers? Uh. And they're all like, yeah, we know construction. And I'm like, that is not up to code. Uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's a good thing they're a private school. Otherwise, she couldn't get away with this. I'm just, do you really trust them to do that? They don't have a school board anymore. Who are they going to complain to? These children are not in shop class. What the hell skills do you think they have? I'm sure some of them are. Is there a shop class? There's an auto shop class. But is there a shop class? It's all tools. Different tools. (laughs) Like, you don't need a stud finder in shop. Yeah, the stud finder would just go off every time Archie walks by. Gosh. I love you. Meanwhile, over at Pops, uh, Jughead has done some investigating, and he he presents Tabitha with a newspaper article about the Mothmen. Mm-hmm. And Tabitha points out this doesn't prove anything. Sure, it matches up with Old Man Dreyfus' story, but maybe he has a very consistent lie. Have you considered that, Jughead? He's like, uh, I found another article, and it's about lights in the night sky, and there's an eyewitness, and you should look to see who it is. Hmm? You should get me a, a think you can line me up an interview. Uh, And Tabitha's jaw drops as, I think this is when we finally get the opening credits? No, not yet. (laughs) I I marked when they are. It's not yet. Uh, So then uh, we go back to the Andrews household, where we, or the Andrews Jones household, I guess. Yes. Uh, And uh, Jackson is there. Jackson being Archie's army bud. The guy Archie rescued in, in the premiere, or rather the first time skip episode. And Jackson's just there standing on his porch with a rifle over his shoulder. Yeah, I don't think you're allowed to do that. Also, it's a hunting rifle. It's not even like an army gun. Although I guess that would be less allowed. They probably don't let you keep that when you leave as a parting gift. I'm just thinking, okay, this guy totally probably took the bus here. (laughs) Yes! 
And he just like climbed on a bus with a hunting rifle on his shoulder. This is my carry on. This is my gun. This is for fighting. This is for fun. Yeah, they probably did just let him on because that's fucking messed up. It's the lonely highway. He agreed to, to you know, take point. Yeah. Yes. Keeping an eye out for the bandits. <laughs> uh, and so. It's the only way the bus will stop in Riverdale is if it's armed. I was going to say is if you put a gun on the driver and it's like, stop now. <laughs> Let me out. Yeah, it's the replacement for pulling the cord. I want to get off or I shoot your brains out. And they're mm-hmm. like, okay. You know, he's out of the hospital. I guess he, he's lining something up with a, a or therapeutic housing yes. vet, you know, he, he's being, services. He's being set up uh, with housing by the VA to, to help him transition back after uh, his service and uh, uh, being ended by explosive trauma. Um, and so Archie's like, yeah, come in and drop your stuff. I'm just going to the bar. You should come with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're going to do that. But before we get there, Betty goes back to visit Dr. Colonel Jr. <laughs> and Dr. Colonel Jr. Uh, has now been presented with this missing person thing that Betty found, which was for a Margaret Hop- or Harper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, nope, not a match. Margaret had braces. This body don't got braces. So that means that there is a third missing girl. Yes. And Betty's like, that means there's a pattern. Mm-hmm. Betty is on the case of Skeletruck, officially. And this is when I write, <laughs> oh my God, credits, it was so much. <laughs> we had not one but two morgue scenes in the cold <laughs> open alone. This episode is so overstuffed. <laughs> it was just... So much. We had a dance-off. We had three scenes with Veronica. They do even more now before breakfast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, do, do the opening credits represent breakfast? Is that the show having breakfast? Yes, they're going to, the, uh, they're heading off to the White Worm now for breakfast. Oh, okay. Uh, so when we get back, we are at the White Worm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Archie is there with Jackson and Kevin and Fangs. And two dudes, I do not know who they are. Who are you? Two unnamed silent serpents. Uh, however... I guess? None of them are biting. They, they are dressed in leather jackets. I can only assume they're serpents. I've never seen them before. They're at the serpent bar. They're in the they're, uniform. They're just too, like... Yeah, we're here. <laughs> hey, dudes. Yeah. This is good bro time. And, like, nothing ha- I'm like, why are you even- They did not need to be at this table. We did not need to have other people at this table. We do, because there's no way Archie is starting a volunteer fire department, which is what he's bringing up to the guys, of just Fangs and Kevin. Okay, but here's the thing. He only talks to Fangs and Kevin about joining. He doesn't address these other two dudes who, quite frankly, look to be very muscular men- who maybe would be into it and would look very good on a sexy fireman calendar. Maybe they're just, you know, spectators. They're huge fans of Riverdale. They, they want to see it up close and personal. They want a contest. This is like a poverty tourism is yeah. what you're telling me. It's <laughs> like they're there just to see how or, the or, other half lives. You know, they they, gra- uh, they were like freshmen when uh, our main cast were, were in their senior year. So they're like, oh, Archie's back in town. Man, I heard so many cool stories about that guy. No, he didn't. (laughs) I heard he played football a couple times. Yeah, he's like, yeah, so like, we need a fire department and I need volunteers. So like, what do you say? And they're just silent. And I'm like, yeah, Kevin and Fangs do not succumb to pressure. You do not need more than one job. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just because he wants 12 does not mean (laughs) you need to do more. You are doing enough. Mm -hmm. Your best is enough. You are fine. The hustle life. 
is just a whole bunch of shit. You don't need to do that. Meanwhile, Archie is a, a school teacher, a, a mentor to, to these young boys at his school, volunteer fire chief, <laughs> volunteer fire department founder, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, reopening the El Royale and, lest we forget, uh, single-handedly renovating the big apartment at the Pembroke. I forgot about that, actually. <laughs> I, I didn't. I'm not forgetting. Archie really needs to, like, read... That's some the problem. <laughs> Maybe he needs to join TikTok and like follow some accounts that are like talking about like overwork culture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're, it's so much easier for your boss to exploit you when you're doing the work for them. Yeah. 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 I bet Archie's on LLC Twitter. He <laughs> Betty mm -hmm. decides, okay, still in this case, going to go see dead girl's mom. Yes. Well, missing person. Who is, mom. who is not the dead girl. At least not this dead girl. Yeah. And so what she finds out is that this Margaret uh, started going around with the truckers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, she's all like, what do you believe happened? And she's like, I don't know. But, you know, that Sheriff Keller guy, he tried to help me. That Tony girl tried to help me. They were all she, very nice people. She has glowing, glowing praise for these two people that did not save her daughter from uh, going missing, presumed dead. But they were so kind. They did their best. They they darn done did it. Uh, so over in the... the Teacher Lounge, mm -hmm. uh, Cheryl is there, and Veronica comes and finds her, and is like, oh, Queen Elsa has come down from her palace, because she's most, the ice queen. The most recent, like, uh, uh, reference this show's ever done. Right? I was like, that's timely, I mm -hmm, guess, mm -hmm. but and if it depends, I guess, on where actually this is in time. If they're 25 now, they, were, they probably all had a frozen face. Oh, they did all have a frozen face, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. And if they graduated high school in 2020, they probably all had a four-year-long frozen face. Oh, my God. Either way. Either way. It's so weird to think about what people's, like, their their Disney phase was. Yeah. What, what was the defining movie or movies of their childhood? Atlantis, The Lost Empire. There's, like, one kid out there that was like, damn right. 102 Dalmatians <laughs> starring Glenn Close. They didn't make a second live action, did they? <laughs> no, they didn't. They only made one live action of that. Oh, they did. I never saw that one. <laughs> I'm much more of a purist for the uh, cartoon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, canine crunchies can't be beat. They make this world. Yeah, that one. <laughs> what, was, what was your Disney movie, your defining Disney movie? I was a Lion King kid, I think. Oh, it was the pouncing, wasn't it? It was not the pouncing. It was the pouncing in the eyes. It lines up just right to like early childhood. It was about a spunky boy, you know, instead of these pounced on instead by of the these ladies. dreamy girls, you know. I mean, yeah, I like. I'm a big Lion King fan. <laughs> it, it set me on a life path that involved a lot more Nathan Lane than I would have predicted <laughs> at that age. Yeah, a lot more Nathan Lane than I would have predicted. The frogs. Who saw that one coming? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm. I loved Lion King. It became a little creepy teaching it to children and then asking about the pouncing scene and when we were going to do that. But yeah, yeah. You work with what you got. We will do the Mufasa death scene, but we are not pouncing on each other. <laughs> Sorry, five-year-olds. But Veronica has a request of Cheryl, the, the great artiste. Yes. She needs uh, some, some uh, uh, freelance <laughs> well, design work. Here I'm thinking, okay, 
she's gonna be like, Cheryl, Kevin's got to like, a, you know, teach an art class too. He's got a heavy workload. Can you teach art class? Mm-hmm. No, here you're no. a painter. That is not the no, request. No. no, Veronica is looking to to commission her for something rectangular. Bum bum bum. That fits a printing plate. Yes. Archie, of course, brings uh, Jackson to the ROTC meeting mm-hmm. so they can talk army. Yeah, yeah. The the kids are getting a chance to talk to a second, you know, actual combat veteran uh, uh, and, I, and see a different perspective from Archie's. Not that yes. different. They were in the same unit. <laughs> I, I do think Jackson doesn't quite know, like... I don't know if you're supposed to show them your your missing limb immediately. It's just the star. Tr- it's just the starship troopers scene where he's like, "Oh, the mobile infantry made me what I am today," and the camera moves over to his prosthetic arm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know if you like lead with that to these children you're trying to recruit into the army. Yeah, Jackson here is not a good recruiter, but he's a cool guy. <laughs> And he's all like, you know, your commander here, he saved my life if it wasn't for him. And, like, you know, now he's trying to start this volunteer fire department. And the kids are like, what? Can we help? We want to be volunteer firemen. I would die for Sergeant Andrews. I love him. He's my real dad. And Archie's all like, my own friends turned me down, but you'll follow me into the fire? Like, oh my god, don't tell your students about that, dude. <laughs> Work-life boundaries. Mm-hmm. You're a teacher. So yeah, he's collected a set of fire babies. There's no way this can go wrong. The thing I'm most concerned about is he's like, well, you gotta be 16. I'm like, if you gotta say that, you shouldn't even be having this conversation with Why can you be 16? You should not be a minor and be in the fire department. That's the wrong, that's the wrong line to draw. I feel like you could be like a volunteer EMS. You're allowed to, like, put Band-Aids on people, and they do all the other stuff. If you are volunteering for the fire department at age 16, your duties cannot extend beyond the station. Like, you are making sandwiches, and you are filling tanks. That is what you do. You wash the fire truck. (laughs) Meanwhile, Veronica presents her prototype of fake money. Yes, yes. She's going to resurrect the, the Riverdale economy with script, but good. I totally called this. <laughs> well, it was in the preview. But like I I said she was doing this for the economy of Riverdale. So uh, uh, the plan is that she is going to make river dollars and she's going to pay a wage to anybody who, who helps her build her new shop front in river dollars that will be uh, a good of, of equal value at participating businesses in town. Those are Pops and the Bijou. Yes. <laughs> the only two businesses in town. Um, and so she has, you know, sold her Glamage egg to get $50,000, and that's how much she is starting up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with this. Technically, she she sold it for $50,000 and a gun. Well, yes. <laughs> so she she tells her class all this, and she's like, are you guys in? They're all like, yeah, because we're kids. <laughs> it's essentially a coupon economy, and anyone at any time can exchange river dollars one for one with actual real money from the Bank of Veronica. The Bank of Veronica, yes. But it but it is a cash infusion to go into the local economy uh, and, and be spread at, with the multiplier effect that concentrating money in local businesses has. Uh, th- this is one of the benefits to shopping local as opposed to, as opposed to, you know, chains and franchises in your neighborhood. Uh, locally owned businesses have this effect. It- it's why uh, Black Wall Street 
uh, quote unquote, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, was so incredibly, you know, wealthy, uh, is just sort of a side effect of segregation. That once there was a little economic activity there, the the money changed hands so many times. Uh, this multiplier effect had a, a great increase in wealth uh, uh, for the the uh, uh, black population of Tulsa, Oklahoma, until they were firebombed. Yes. But, you know, up until that point, it, it worked out pretty well for them. Yeah, so Veronica is running with this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, meanwhile, Betty comes home to find Alice covered in swamp mud. She seems to have been snorkeling through <laughs> the swamp. And she's like, I found this in the swamp! She found Polly's phone, and, like, there is not a lot of Alice in this episode. There's a lot of everybody else, but there's not a lot of Alice in this episode. No. What there is is amazing. She is so frazzled. She's at 11 the whole time, so maybe it's good we only get a few minutes. Yeah. (laughs) But it's great. So, uh, Betty then goes to Tony, and I feel like this is kind of, like, a strange conversation, because it almost at first feels like she's, like interrogating Tony of like, well, Margaret, you know, you knew her and like, how did you help them and all this stuff? And she's just like, I was a social worker. (laughs) I didn't get that vibe. It seems like Betty's just going for a a background. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what it was, but I just felt like it was like, it was weird. She she never, she never accuses uh, Tony of being the last person to see Margaret alive or anything like that. No, I just thought it was like, I think there was a strange lead up to it where it was like mom is dropping that she has connections to Tony and Keller. Mm-hmm. And there was this look in Betty like, hmm? <laughs> and then she goes and is like, so tell me more. Mm-hmm. It's a scene that doesn't really work for me. She's like, okay, so Polly's missing and we need to search the swamp. And she's like, oh, don't you worry. Serpent's got your back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess they're just going to go pull their own snorkel here. <laughs> like, I'm not sure how the serpents help other than just more bodies going. I think that's exactly what it is and exactly what they need. It's a big swamp and, and there's only two Coopers. Yes, but my question is, why couldn't she call in other people to help you for that? Like, she could have <laughs> just been like, friends, can you come walk the swamps with me? Well, we've seen how reliable the friends are. Also, they're all very busy. <laughs> Everyone is doing so many things. What I would have liked is for Tony to be like, oh, I got you two guys right away. You and you. Yeah, I don't know your names, but come on. I've, I've asked them their names. They've never said a single they just, word. They just smile and kind of nod. They order drinks by pointing. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But they'll be fine. Give them a whistle. They'll yeah. blow it when it's time. Like, they're good. So then over at Pops, it is time for... The interview with Pop Tate. Yes, Pop Tate is the the UFO sighting man in that uh, a 1970-something article. And he is just so tickled to be talking with Jughead in a in a Pops booth again. I, uh, yeah, he's, he's so happy to be back after the retirement. It's been like two weeks, Pop. You should still be fishing. Um, we also are treated to a wonderful flashback of Pop Tate in his youth. I, I, with the sideburns if there, to top all sideburns. If there was one less plot in this episode, we could have had enough time in this scene for him to do some like backhanded compliments about how the recipes have changed. Yeah. And oh, uh, uh, service wasn't quite like that when I was uh, uh, training the, the wait staff. <laughs> oh, I would have loved that. Yeah. In this flashback of mm-hmm. Pop with giant mutton chops. Not really. They're more sideburns, but still, they're almost <laughs> on the verge of mutton chops. He's voiceover telling us 
the events of the night and we're seeing them happen, such as the electricity, you could feel it in the air. Mm-hmm. And uh, the jukebox came on, and the, yeah. but the power went out. Everything goes off, but then things start coming on, like the jukebox and a creepy symbol monkey Why? with electricity running all over it. Why? The, Why is that there? The gumball machine goes nuts and starts trying to set up Home Alone traps for everyone to break their Those neck. don't even run on electricity. <laughs> I don't know how that one works. That one is not connected to anything. So, so Pop Tate... Uh, I, I guess he was boy Tate. He was too young to be a pop back yeah. then. <laughs> young man Tate. <laughs> young man Tate and, and the six or so uh, uh, customers walk out into the night. And because s- no, cause there's a big light. There's, there's lights coming. There's a big flash of yellow light. Just, just like giant floodlights come in the doors and they, they have to go outside to go to look at it. And, uh, and he's like, you know, we were out there for a few minutes and then it was all gone. Jughead's like, well, do you know what it is? And he's like, well, we all had a theory. Some said aliens... But the most credible was military testing from a base outside Riverdale. Mm-hmm. And he's like, part of me still wishes the lights would come back. Which makes Jughead go very like, say what? Because the other guy said that too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this gives Tabitha chills. Uh, so Jughead asks like, well, is there anyone else like, you know, that was there that I could still talk to about this? And he's like, oh, yes, Cheryl's grandmother was there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we get a wonderful look at what young Nano Blossom looked like. And this is how I know this story is fake as hell. Nano Blossom was never that young. Nano Blossom was never in her 40s. I love that Nana Blossom looks like a woman who would give you terror readings from her garage. <laughs> she looks like Emma Thompson in her small Harry Potter role. Yes. Yes. Yes, I was actually thinking about that. <laughs> so... The first day of the volunteer fire department. It is time to meet our fire babies. It's time to meet fire babies and Beefy McBeef Beef. Yes, Bernardo Brigsby has arrived. I guess you, you gotta wonder if we're going to meet any of the main characters from Katie Kane or, no. or just these, these side guys. Just them. I guess K.O. was kind of main. I mean, we didn't really watch it, but I was gonna say, <laughs> doesn't he like disappear like immediately to go like fight elsewhere or something? Uh, like, I don't know. Bernardo was in eight episodes, which is most of the episodes. So, uh, McBeef. McBeef. Is all like, okay, so from a show of hands, who here has experience with fires? Who has experience fighting fires? Fighting fires. I bet if you would have phrased that as with fire, everyone would have, because all those kids are pyros. (laughs) Fire. (laughs) All of them lit their bedrooms on fire at some point. Lake Titicaca. It's it's a... Beavis and Butthead thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know. I never watched that. I wasn't allowed. <laughs> Along with Power Rangers. Too violent. Well, guess what, Mom? <laughs> that didn't fucking stop me. <laughs> I beat up people all the time for fun. <laughs> all you do is tell me I'm a violent person. <laughs> and you're not wrong. So, yeah, no one raises their hand. He's like, that's okay. We'll make you firemen, basically. <laughs> it's... I should fucking hope none of them have experience fighting fire. (laughs) They're 16. 16. (laughs) He's definitely a personality that's on one of those, like, fitness videos of, like, I'm going to teach you how to have self-control and be the best you you can be. So we're going to do push-ups. He's going to sell me the gazelle. During all this, we suddenly go to a montage. Mm -hmm. Which is just the teens watching Archie do his workout. And Veronica printing money. Yes, yes, side by side. It is the stupidest 
stupidest montage of exciting music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Cheryl does a pretty good cartoon likeness also. Like, not only can she imitate uh, uh, paintings, but she does like a good like Mad Magazine Mort Druckerman of <laughs> Veronica. Yeah. And those are two very different skill sets. Well, and what I like is this montage ends with at Pops. And Jughead is picking up the money from a table. Mm-hmm. And apparently no one has bothered to inform the staff, aside from Tabitha, of this deal. Well, Tabitha is the only one that needs to know. Also, there's only two staff members. No one is washing the dishes. I'm just like, he's like, what is this? <laughs> uh, so Tabitha, you know, explains that uh, it, it's fun money for using around Riverdale, you know, here or at the Bijou. She can only think of two businesses in all of town either. Mm-hmm. But she also says, or dot, dot, dot. And then we get a hard cut to Jughead slamming down his tip downstairs to get some whiskey from the White Worm. You know, the third place. <laughs> Which is kind of also the first place. So uh, over at the gym, uh, Tony, or at school, Tony comes into the gym to find that Cheryl has ca- uh, called an extra training day. Tony is not happy about this because this is not working as a team. This is not working together. Yeah. And one of the kids gets injured and they have to call, uh, they have to call Nurse Nightingale. <laughs> they have yes. to get in a time machine and go find Florence Nightingale. Cheryl is like, you can't take this from me. Mm-hmm. They're fine. <laughs> The vixens are like the blossom, or vixens like blossoms are forged in fire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm like, what is with everyone in fire in this town? Oh my god! <laughs> but but Cheryl is, is come roaring back to her old self so hard that she's overdoing it. Yeah, uh, she she says, "Careful where thou wouldst treadst." <laughs> how does how does Madeline Petch say these lines? <laughs> I'm pretty sure she says the word thoutst, which thou'st. isn't a word. It's not a thing you can say. How does thoutst? Do you doust? There's too many consonants in that. Thoutst. Doust. Uh, so meanwhile, over at the swamp, mm-hmm. the swamp that looks very strangely just like Sweetwater River. It's part of the same uh, uh, runoff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all It's all one water cycle, baby. I just want to know why we've never heard about it before. <laughs> we have heard about the swamp before. They ditched the car in the swamp. They've ditched bodies in the swamp. Okay, makes me wonder if they were ditching all those things. Why didn't no one think to look there right away for the bodies <laughs> that were missing? There's something wrong with it, and you'll figure out what it is eventually. Alice and Betty and, and Keller and Kevin and Fangs, maybe? There's a group of them looking around for stuff. Uh, but then this Jeep comes back pounding through mm-hmm. and Hiram and Reggie and a bunch of other dudes with guns get out because they have property rights to this here swamp and uh there, there's a bit of a tense standoff apparently this is out of Sheriff Keller's jurisdiction the the swamp is across county lines I guess apparently um it is where the new turnpike is gonna go which mm-hmm. I'm like I don't know maybe it shouldn't go on a swamp <laughs> it doesn't sound exactly stable but I'm no like I'm Architect. no I'm no turnpikeologist, but I think you're going to want more solid ground. And Betty's like, "Well, yo, I'm with the FBI, so like you have to listen to me." And Hiram's like, "You just got your badge from Jacket Crack Boxes." Yes, a Jacker Crack Box. Yeah, Jacker, not Jacket. Autocorrect, dumb thing. He's all like, "Get out of here." And they cock their guns. <laughs> At an FBI agent. And the sheriff. And the sheriff. I'm pretty sure that's more not okay than them trespassing in a swamp. Before, if she didn't have any right to do anything, now she does. 
Not that they should, but I think Betty and, and Keller could, at this point, draw their guns and just blow these two away and just, like, look at each other. Thin blue line. We, we were both afraid for our lives. Let's go. I mean, it is Hiram. End everyone. of the season. End of the season. That, that's it. Uh, so Tabitha and Jughead go to meet with Nana Blossom. Yes! Yes! And it's this, the best scene. This is my favorite scene of the entire season. This is my favorite scene of the show. Uh, oh Why is this episode five episodes? Why can't it just... Oh, it's it's so much that it chokes out the, the good scenes. Yeah. With, and th- this one manages to be great beside it, but uh, it could have been so much more even so. So she talks about how the light came from the Mothman ship. <laughs> Every line Nana Rose says is a fucking banger. A few weeks later, I found a misshapen body in the maple forest. <laughs> so, like, they, they aren't having to say anything to get this out of Nana Blossom. They, they aren't, like, pulling it out. They aren't, like, making promises. She is dying to tell them about the time she found a dead Mothman. Entombed it in a cask. Oh, we're not there yet. Okay. An autopsy was performed. <laughs> and he's like, wait. Like an alien autopsy? Yes! <laughs> and they came! They came! Because they didn't want us to talk about it! And by they, she means the Mothman. She was visited personally by some sort of Mothman committee. Maybe a Mothman funeral director who they, wanted to arrange for yes, the proper burial. Yes, because they were very upset that they were cremating the body. And he's like, did you guys cremate the body? No, I kept it. And she does I, this, I, this like impish, devilish little cheeky old me. <laughs> Perfectly preserved in a barrel of maple syrup. I can try to find it if you want. <laughs> if you, if anybody out there has a Mothman corpse embalmed in syrup, you've got to label that. You've got to make sure it doesn't get lost in the shuffle. Here's my question. What if that was one of the casks that wound up as part of your son's, like, heroin smuggling operation? Remember when there were real drugs on the show back in the first season? Okay, so so here's my... Nana Rose has embalmed many a bodies in maple syrup, and she doesn't know which barrel is which body. Oh, you think she only had two sons? <laughs> I think it's more than just two sons. There, there are a, there's like a whole series of like Clifford slash Mothman hybrids. It, it's like that scene in Alien Resurrection where Ripley finds all the the other like yes. Ripley experiments. Yes, yes, yes. She's you know the one good scene in Alien Resurrection. Yeah. Well, and like it makes you know Clifford. Yeah. Gets put in maple syrup. Yeah. So, like, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, this is the thing we do in this family is we put bodies in maple syrup. Mm -hmm. If you watch none of Riverdale. You got to watch the Nana scenes. You have to. This scene. This scene. She is also like Dr. Curdle Jr. and deserves a special award. Yes. If Dr. Curdle Jr. and Nana Rose are ever in a scene together. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's it. it. That's the end. There's no there's no beating that. that. The show's done. We're good. Meanwhile, Veronica is giving a lesson on economics and uh, about the how you need to, you know, th- this whole experiment's gone well, but they need to slowly continue to build the economy so it doesn't all collapse. Yeah, it, things are going really well, and so the kids are like, hell yeah, let's do it more. Let's pump $10,000 more in, into our, our script economy. And she's like, don't you fucking dare. 
Yeah. <laughs> because uh, we don't want to risk hyperinflation. We don't want to risk a run on the bank. By the way, I'm the bank, assholes. <laughs> Uh, and so then Hiram shows up, and I'm like, oh my god, this school has no security. <laughs> so Veronica tries to throw him out. It doesn't work, so they have their tense conversation in front of the class. They've had every other conversation. These students literally know every part of Veronica's life. <laughs> and they know- Chad's been there. And they know Archie's friends don't respect him. <laughs> <laughs> these- these- Teens are going to be so fucking messed up from knowing their teachers' lives. <laughs> the only class they're passing is, is, like, if there's some sort of newlywed game style, know your teacher quiz. Yeah. Uh, Hiram's all like, you know, in all my time, I never really thought about putting my own face on the money. <laughs> and he's like, you know, you're, you're printing the money. Archie's starting a fire department. Who does such things? What? I mean, governments, usually. Uh, in the American example, two very different levels of, of government, but governments tend to do those things. Uh, so over at the El Royale, which is now, I guess, the fire department, mm -hmm. uh, it is time for some storytelling about, you know, Archie things. And you know what's in this episode, the scene? Product placement! <laughs> yeah. Remember how we had that, like, amazing zoom-in on Doritos? Well, this time we get core water. Mm-hmm, because they just had a blistering workout, and now they got a hydrate bra. Perfectly placed labels being held in perfect, crisp focus. It's not quite as egregious as the Doritos, but damn, it's close. I don't know. I think it's even worse because there's multiple bottles that are held ever perfectly for the <laughs> label to be seen. <laughs> How many extra takes did it get just to get the label square? That's special effects, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're they're sharing stories about Archie and how he like fed a dog mm -hmm. in the war, and then this homeless guy comes in and he's like, "Oh, I thought this was place was closed. I was gonna squat here for a while." And Archie stands up and he's like, "No," continues to state his pledge to how he's going to uh, uh, bring the town back and, and make it a safe place for for people to live just like this guy and his friends etc and the dude's like yeah i've heard all that before but good good luck to you and then he just turns around with this shopping cart full of everything he owns and i'm like hey archie you could offer him the spare room to stay in you motherfucker maybe, maybe he wants some core water you've all got snacks he was looking for a roof. You have one. You could offer him, hey, you know, buddy, if you ever, you know, want a shower here, you're welcome. We have showers because this is a gym. I mean, he doesn't deny, he doesn't make a positive offer, but he doesn't say, sorry, buddy, you got to move on. The dude just assumes, I guess, and moves on. I just find he's like, yeah, we're going to make things better. We're going to do this. I'm like, you could have done something right now. And what was his name? Earl, I think? I think, yeah. Earl just takes it as well. Okay, that's nice. But this would be socially awkward now. I'm, I'm, you're doing a thing. I don't want to intrude. Bye-bye. Meanwhile, Betty is calling uh, FBI not boyfriend, boyfriend? Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know remember her name. Her supervisor, Fling. Yeah. You know, trash bag killer. Yeah. <laughs> He's definitely TBK. He's definitely the trash He's bag definitely killer. The trash bag killer. He has to be the trash bag killer in my god. That needs to be a band name. I'm gonna say it every time. She she's trying to get him to help with the fact that there's you know these missing people now. Um, but he's like, uh, TBK's back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Betty is torn between two serial killers. Uh, but also uh, Glenn, Agent Glenn. One of the reasons that he he can't you know help her out is you know th those two. Uh, dead girls, they they had really checkered pasts, you know, because 
the FBI only cares about crimes against good girls. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, she was no angel, Betty. So who cares if she winds up decayed in a peat bog? Could she lie and say it was maple syrup? Would that interest him? <laughs> Ooh, sweets. Yum, yum, yum. So, uh, yeah, so when she finds out that the trash bag killer is back and has, like, killed two people, mm-hmm. she's like, well, you focus on that. I got this. You focus on that. That's that's important. And she has a bit of a flashback. Yes, yes. She, she goes right back to her time in the hole with uh, TBK standing menacingly over her. And it's still fucking creepy. It's still a yes. very scary thing, no matter how many times we've seen this this footage. Uh, so she s- decides, you know, what most people would do after that. Go to the swamp at night alone. <laughs> Where she is met by Reggie, who just pops out like, damn it, Betty, now I gotta shoot you. Aw, shucks. Come on, girl! I don't want to, but here we go. Chick, chick. Uh, and she's all like, well, shoot me. Well, that's all you can do. You gotta shoot me. And he's like, don't tell Hiram I told you this, but I found another body. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm telling you, when, when Reggie comes around, he's what's going to gonna bring uh, uh, Hiram down. Yes, he yeah. is. He is. He's going to save the day. Uh, so over at the volunteer fire department, this guy comes running in and is like, you guys, are you the volunteer fire department? And they're like, we're trying to be. Well, there's a fire. You should volunteer to fight it. The pool hall is burning down. He's like, the one next door on the alley? Yeah, shouldn't you smell the smoke? <laughs> you guys are really awful at this. They're good at fighting fires. They're they're not volunteer fire finders. So they immediately rush outside in you know just their normal clothes. Mm-hmm. They're they're matching t-shirts. But you know, uh, uh, their their teacher is is calling out protocol. They're all going to it. They find a main. They're running to pick up a hose until it turns out that Earl, the the friendly guy from earlier who who didn't want to impose on their conversation, is trapped inside. Is trapped inside. I guess he he was playing a little nine ball. And one of the kids is like gonna go, and he's like, "Don't even think about it." And Archie doesn't and runs inside yeah like archie has ever thought about anything ever come on come on uh so meanwhile veronica is counting her veronica bucks Mm -hmm. uh and she is very unhappy the numbers aren't adding up so she calls daddy and now we get a shot of her shot of these two people on the phone behind their big desks beneath portraits of themselves (laughs) she's like you're printing fake riverdale what a fucking normal family they are. He's like, oh yeah, I'm faking your fake money. Nee, 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 nee. So they go back and forth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like you do. So then Betty takes the body from Reggie to Dr. Curdle Jr. And she is muddy like mommy. Very dirty. Very dirty. She's a dirty girl. Yes. Uh, and he confirms that it is Margaret because this body has braces. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, well, what, you know, killed her? It's like, well, the left side of her body was pulverized like it was hit with a wrecking ball. Per, what was that wrecking ball? A uh, large, generally rectangular? 18 wheels. With a skeleton on the front? Huh? 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 I got some questions here, Dr. Grudel. Uh, but no, we just talk about a wrecking ball, because, I mean, maybe she was just like a Miley Cyrus fan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She was trying to do that on a tire swing in the swamp. <laughs> and it re-egged her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it re-egged her. Yes. Meanwhile, over at the high school gym, mm-hmm. uh, Tony is there waiting for Cheryl to come in to the practice that Cheryl had scheduled, but Tony had canceled it because she wants to have a talk with Cheryl. And so they have yet another custody battle, basically, just like the Pretty Poisons. Yes. These two can't have kids. Er, that's why Tony is having Kevin and Fangs' baby. <laughs> yet another clue. 
Uh, and so, yeah, you know, Tony tells her that she's selfish and she's cursed herself and she needs to get over herself. And, and she, they scuff back and forth. Cheryl is, of course, very absorbed in, yeah, her, her family curse, but also talking about how much good she's been doing funding the whole fucking school. Her final words are, to Tony are, your cruelty is beyond words. As a response to Tony asking for, you know, more work than just a check. Yes. Get, get out of your big ass house and come and, and be among the people. Cheryl goes home mm-hmm. uh, to Nana and finds that Miss uh, Marple is there. Ms. Marble, much like Ms. Marple, has figured out a mystery. Uh, and she found out that the pictures were forgeries. So she wanted to talk to Cheryl about it before she, uh, you know, talked to the cops. And she's saying this with a great big grin. Hmm. So Archie's in the hospital mm-hmm. and is being reminded that Big Beefy said that the number one rule of fighting fires is to not run into burning buildings. To not run into burning buildings alone. That's the rule. You gotta stay as a team. If you, if you don't run into burning buildings, firefighters do a lot less than they, than they did before. Jackson and Keller are there. Uh, it comes up about like, well, Hiram was probably the one to do it. You know, arson. And Jackson's like, who's Hiram? Who's, screw that Hiram guy. After they they explain the the basics. Yeah. Earl is also doing okay. He seems stable. Uh, some in a different hospital room somewhere in this place. We never see his face again. No. He gets mentioned a few times. We never see him again. But but Sheriff Keller leaves because, you know, overworked sheriff. Uh, and, and we start learning more about how radicalized uh, uh, Private Jackson was overseas. Yes. He's come back from this war and seen that it did nothing for nobody but, you know, blow his leg off and fuck up a whole lot of other people besides. And Welcome to our side. <laughs> the haves like Hiram are, are just stepping on the little guys like Archie and him and, and Earl and everybody else. Yes. I bet Hiram is a fan of the war, quote unquote, the war oh, in, he, oh, in somewhere. I'm sure he's got like some weapon sales going on or yeah, some shit. Yeah, he, he's an investor in whatever Blackwater's calling themselves these days. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Season six, Hiram becomes... A, a- warlord. <laughs> Uh, Hiram starts running the, like, food service division of Halliburton. Oh, God. Yeah. So, meanwhile, our buddy Hiram is talking to Reggie, and he's like, They found a second body! How do you think they did that? And Reggie's like, <laughs> it's, it's a big a swamp! Big swamp! Yeah! yeah. Big, mm? big I'm, swamp. A, I'm only one guy, it's a big swamp! What do, you, what do you want me to do? Hey! They They talk about how, you know, they want access to the swamp. For searching purposes. For searching pur- purposes. How, you know, all this could, like, delay the turnpike. Mm-hmm. But Reggie points out, like, we know that the turnpike isn't really the end game. Bum, bum, bum. The turnpike is not going to wind up smooching somebody in the final episode. So, let's let them search the swamp. And Hiram's like, okay. Yeah, we, we will take the, the short-term time delay because that, that's not, you know, the real plan isn't building a turnpike to, to Sodale. Wink. It's Wink. something else mysterious. So we don't know what it is. In, in exchange for getting good guy coverage in the headlines, you know. Yeah. Local property developer helps uh, criminal investigation. Betty, Alice, and Tony talk to Margaret's mother and lets her know that she's dead. She takes it pretty well. And Betty swears that she will find out who did this. This woman is a saint. She She's super understanding. She doesn't blame anybody. I mean, she has had like three years to process, I guess. That's true. That's true. That might help. 
So uh, over at Pops, uh, Jughead walks in and stops and sees a barrel. And he's like, that's that's not special delivery. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's and, a big old barrel of Blossom Reserve. And so they take this giant ass barrel of maple syrup into the back somehow. Tabitha and Jughead are apparently very strong. Uh, they, they, come on. It, it's a restaurant. They've got to have get, like giant crates of things. Maybe they have a dolly, I guess. They, they've got a barrel just that size for mustard. Ew. That's <laughs> gross. So they crack open the barrel, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is apparently very smelly of maple syrup and decay. T- take the innards out of the barrel. <laughs> the contents. The contents. And you're like, okay, maybe it's Mothman. Or it's a person. I don't, I'm not sure. The way this is framed, the camera is behind these mummified remains of something. In, yes. Blurry in the foreground as focus is on uh, Tabitha and Jughead looking at it from the midground. Yes. Uh, and so, like, you, you just want to see more. You, you want to see what they're seeing as it is this hazy shape covering up the, the left side of the frame. Jughead has found um, a, a Dr. Dana something or other who, who is an expert in, in these in things. ancient civilizations and aliens. So we, we've taken Mulder's uh, uh, expertise... With Scully's first name and gender. Yes. And put them together. Also doctorate. Uh, Mulder didn't have one of those. Uh, And so they're going to contact her to come look at it. And then we finally see it. And oh my god. It's the best fucking prop. It's so good. I love this thing. It's so good. (laughs) It's got these hollow eyes and these very, like, distorted, misshapen... And, and like, it's very skeletal. It's very skin on bone. So what is weird about it is it's underlying structure which makes it look which makes it all the more believable that is that it is something other than human yes it's clearly humanoid it's got all the right stuff in all the right places just in all the wrong proportions yes my question is why didn't they just call up dr curdle jr to come take a look at it first (laughs) they are best friends Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they would have been like hey dude can you pop on over to pop's we got a body for you. And you know what? The dude could have looked at it and been like, yeah, Mothman. Or no, that's a human. You know what I want to know? How much of this syrup did they keep? Because you know there's some fucking weirdo sicko <laughs> freaks out there that are going to want some $500 pancakes with the Mothman syrup. <laughs> you know, I can like hope that they do that and they turn it into like a special thing. But I like to think that Tabitha's just like, well, I was going to order syrup anyways. Harry Carey's restaurant made a special pasta sauce out of the, the vapors from boiling the, the, the ball. Well, that ain't healthy. <laughs> in, in order to, to try to break the curse from that 2000, whatever it was, uh, the foul ball that Moises Alou almost caught to, to get the out for the Cubs. No, but that still ain't healthy. Okay, we talked about it in the History Honeys episode like two years ago. It was two years ago. Okay. Also, at this point, two years ago was like five years ago. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Veronica uh, is uh, having a little therapy session with her students, telling her about how awful her father is for printing more money. Mm-hmm. But then she suddenly realizes a very anxious looking child who has lots of red ink on his hands. Yes. Yes. The, the same sort of red pink shade as uh, uh, Veronica Bucks. And so we find out that the students who were tasked with printing a thousand dollars worth of more money printed ten thousand dollars more. Mm-hmm. So they were counterfeiting. Is it really counterfeiting if it comes from the same press? 
they, they were overinflating the market and making her, her numbers go wrong. I love the way that she confronts this kid because she's like, hey, why are your fingers so stained? And don't say art class. Probably because they haven't had an art class in about four years. Because she missed the opportunity to hire Cheryl to teach art. <laughs> uh, and so she's like, okay, this is fine. You all owe me 10 grand. Mm-hmm. And you're going to work it off. Veronica, you should have seen this coming. You worked on Wall Street. It was literally your job to cause and then profit from bubbles that screw over the rest of us. Uh, so Archie goes home, and this is where he encounters Jackson heading out of the house. With, with his, his gun. With his gun. It, it was his personal item on the flight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is where we find out that Earl did not make it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's found out more about Hiram, and he wants to go kill Hiram Lodge. Archie, I don't know if you know this, but this Hiram guy, he framed you for murder and put you in a special fight to the death prison? That seems fucked up. And Archie's like, I'm not going to let you do it. I'm not going to let you ruin your life over Hiram Lodge. This is Riverdale doing Jarhead, right? This is Riverdale doing the, the... Very popular, like, serious drama about what happens when the soldiers come home that uh, uh, had a huge flare-up 2005-ish. Yes. It it was also a pretty popular uh, post-Vietnam film boom, like, maybe we're going back to Born in the USA. But let's stick with Jarhead uh, for our point of reference. Isn't that the one we... No, we... Born in the USA is the one we saw with Moore's grandpa and dad. Born in the USA or Born on the Fourth of July? Oh, Born on the Fourth of July, excuse me, excuse me. I did not need to watch that with my friend's father and grandpa, Fourth of July weekend. I like the part where they just yell fuck at each other for what feels like ten full minutes. No one breathed in that entire living room. We all pretended like we were really interested in our hands, because phones were not smart yet. That was worse than any type of sex scene you watch with a parent. <laughs> the, just the catheter scene? Also the sex scenes. There were the sex scenes on the way there. <laughs> you know? Every part of that movie is bad to watch with a sweet old grandpa. So we find out that Jackson has lost his spot in getting into a VA home. He's been abandoned by the system. You know, he's lost everything. Archie doesn't know what that's like. Archie's like, no, I understand. This town is the only thing holding me together. Vulnerable Archie comes out. I always value vulnerable Archie. I know you don't like this scene. I know you th- the, the, the acting does not land for you, it and does, I get where you're coming from. It does not. But the intent, I, I dig, and, and I'm willing to go with it. I can appreciate the idea that that is why Archie is throwing himself into everything so intensely. Mm-hmm. Except that's what he does all the time. <laughs> but yeah, it, I mean, it just... But, but Archie has always been fucked up since we met him. It's true. I mean, we meet him. He's literally... He's an abuse victim yes. the day we meet him. The scene just doesn't land for me. It doesn't work for me. I feel like they're both acting to completely different people. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't yeah, feel yeah. like they are interacting with each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's actually, like, their acting or the editing or what. But I'm like, did you, were you even in the same room reading these <laughs> words to each other? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. On the page, I think it, it is a good scene. But as as a finished piece, I, I can definitely see where you're coming from. Yeah. So they decide that, like, you know, they'll stick together and they can keep each other sane. Yes. So then over at Pops, which Pops this this season, they are really investing in the red neon. Oh, God. Oh, God, they are. I love it. Her electric bill has got to be insane. <laughs> That's what all the, the, the gas profits from the one pump they have in the parking lot go to. 
So uh, Jughead is working the shift alone. Tabitha is not there. He's he's taking the night shift to to watch over their pet gargoyle. <laughs> Make sure no one sees it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he's like on his laptop. It's a quiet night. He's pouring some booze in his coffee cup like you do. Are we? Are we finally going to get an alcoholism plot? They are totally getting to that. Like, they they focus on it so hard. Because that's usually a season one, season two at the latest for a CW show. I I guess after we've had so many fake hard drugs. We had FP. That's true. That's true. We already had that. We also had, like, Veronica's, like, I'm drinking in school. They they flirted with doing it. FP kind of was doing it. That's true. Oh, FP was. He was a total alcoholic when we met him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was why he, one of the reasons why he was an awful father. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, okay. that was a whole plot line. So, yeah, I, th- I think we are surprisingly subtly for this show. Uh, it is not subtle. The zoom-ins they have anytime our Jughead has a drink. This, like, huh. this, this is the show with uh, uh, Jingle Jangle and Bear Man. When I say f- subtle for this show, I know what I'm saying. He hasn't been <laughs> unable to perform any duties. And, like... In, in like two minutes, in someone's two minutes, about to mention gonna. it. Yeah. Well, his his agent says he drinks too much. That is true. They're heavy hinting at it, but all of what we've seen so far is like kind of normal levels of drinking. His plot takes place over what two three days? He's had two drinks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not a problem amount. But it is when it's shown on TV in the same way someone coughing once means they have a very serious diagnosis coming. You have TB. Yeah. You're fucked. Oh no, you sneezed. (laughs) The lights go out. The jukebox starts to play. It's all very familiar. The the coffee shakes. The the The, the gumballs. The gumballs go. The bobbleheads bobble. There is a pop tape bobblehead. I want one. Right next to a different bobblehead that I couldn't catch. I think it is a sports player. So, and then the register opens, and so then there's... The 1940s-ass cash register. And then there's, like, you know, that blaring yellow light from outside. So so Jughead goes out there, and there's, like, really nothing going on, except it's dark. And then all the lights on Pops comes back on. Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, this is weird, but, like, everything looks fine. And then a giant spotlight comes from the sky right down on him, and he looks up. It is an X-Files shot. Like, it's this so shot is good. directly lifted from the X-Files. It's so good. Uh, so then, the next scene is Jughead talking to Tabitha, and he's like... He mentions lost time. He has hours of lost yeah. time. He's like, no, it's exactly like Pop said. There was a bright light, and then I woke up in a booth, and it was 6 a.m. <laughs> I lost time. And she's like, what, were you sleepwalking? Or we're, drinking? Yeah, there and we he's go. like, yes, but that's not the point. <laughs> The, and I'm like, quite frankly, yeah, he had one sip of his booze-infused coffee. The point is, however, uh, uh, he goes to the back room, and the, the table is just sticky with residue. There is no mummified Mothman anymore. No. Uh, I, I love how stable this moth mummy is, because it was just sitting up on its haunches. Yeah. You'd think something floating in a barrel that long wouldn't have a solid, solid like, flat bottom. Uh, so meanwhile, Veronica is taking her students around to do physical labor, which involves cleaning up the town mm-hmm, mm-hmm. until they pay her $10,000. Yes. $10,000 worth of sweat, baby. And then over at the El Royale slash new fire department, Kevin and Fangs are there is because they've heard Weatherby is no longer allowing any of the high schoolers to be involved with the volunteer fire department because he was not happy about, you know, teaching them to run into burning buildings. <laughs> He thought they'd just be, you know, washing the fire engine and making the sandwiches. 
Uh, so Kevin and Fangs are there to offer and volunteer, and they're giving into the pressure of having more than one job. Uh, and so Archie thanks them, but he's not sure there's going to be much of one. You know, we, we, we lost big, big old beefcakers. No one's so, here to train so us. there's nobody here to show us what to do. And then Grandpa walks in. He's coming out of retirement. All his metal bones coming old, with him. Old Chief, whatever his name was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, I'll teach you boys. And then just at that moment, Veronica drives a fire truck in. A vintage antique fire truck, and she she got it out of like the fucking Henry Ford Museum. And this is her gift to them. And Archie's all like, "How can I pay you back?" And I'm like, "Dude, stop offering that. You are going to be fixing up shit forever." <laughs> uh, and she's like, "No, no, no. We'll just do like a firefighters of Riverdale calendar." I cannot wait to see shirtless Grandpa in his big old suspendies. Right now, the fire department is Grandpa Jackson, Archie, Kevin, and Fanks. Mm-hmm. It's going to be some sad months when it's Jackson and uh, <laughs> Old Grampy. <laughs> old Grampy's my favorite. I hope Old Grampy gets August. Because that's my birthday tree. I treat. hope gr- Old Grampy is like secretly ripped. <laughs> Just chiseled. Like Avatar The Last Airbender. Grampy's ripped. Yeah. Betty is hosting a, a murder table. Yeah, yeah. It's like a book club, but the book is Cold Case Files. Oh my god, I want this! <laughs> Screw being in a book club. I want that. So it's it's the Coopers, uh, the sheriff, and Tony sitting around the, the Cooper table comparing notes. Uh, sheriff Keller ha- has a list of 13 missing women, the spookiest number. Tony has 11. Uh, together, minus duplicates, it comes out to 21 missing women they're looking for. A blackjack, uh, as they say in the murder business. And Betty's like, serial killer. Bum, bum, bum. Obviously. <laughs> and that is the end of the episode. That's it. So, Dylan, what are your thoughts on Chapter 83, Fire in the Sky, by Ted Sullivan, directed by Gabriel Coria, as a whole, as a unit? It was just so much. It was too much episode. It's overstuffed. It was, it was, it was far too much. Too much going on. All of the plots were good, but did all of them have to be this week? Or to the extent that they all were yeah. this week. We could have just seen less of it. Like, the the Vixens plot felt like it could have been over for this week in the first scene it happened. They, they could have been like, okay, we did our dance-off to keep that along. We'll have Cheryl and Tony fight next week. Well, yeah, I feel like that actually would have made it stronger of like, okay, Cheryl played along for a little while. Now it's been, a, you know, a mm-hmm. longer amount of time. Instead of later that to, day. She's starting to act up. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with like, wow, that was a fast turnaround on getting Beefy McBeef beef here. We, we know it's around a 20 minute walk from Queens <laughs> to Riverdale. Yep. He hailed a cab. It cost him seven fifty. Veronica's money thing could have taken longer too. Like that could have been split up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was just so much. <laughs> and so, like, the, the only thing that felt like it had weight, because it wasn't resolved, it was advanced but not resolved by the end, is Mothman. Mothman! His alien in a bucket! And it's the only thing that made sense that it actually moved as fast as it did. Mm-hmm. It was... Inter- like, interviewing and getting a barrel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. None of this, like, okay... We're inviting people in. They're coming. They're training us. Now they're leaving. Oh, and there's this, and there's that. And, and it, But Alien in a Bucket had wild ass shit going on. I mean, it's an alien in a bucket. <laughs> we got Nana Rose being arch as she's ever been. Bless you, woman. MVP. 
The, like, second best thing was just Dr. Curdle. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was the only other thing that was like, yes, thank you. Like, if this episode was the Mothman plot, the Swamp People plot, half of Archie and Veronica's thing, it would be a much stronger episode. Yeah, it was just too much. <laughs> like, I couldn't I couldn't keep up with note-taking, because we were I'm like, oh my god, we're on, like, two scenes later. Like, what? And I typed fast. There's so much going on. We haven't even talked about Jughead's cute little glasses he does whenever he's reporting. Yeah, he is. I love his cute little glasses. Too, too much of a good thing is this episode. This is too much. Too much. And it's so much of a good thing that the not good parts are what really stand out, because the good parts are just running up against each other and, and can't get out the door. You know what? They need to stop, though. Product placement. <laughs> no, no. They need to start adding it into dialogue. I need them to talk about their core water. Do you have any double mint gum? <laughs> I love having fresh breath when I t- tear my daddy apart vocally. Oh the best plot will be when a chain restaurant pops up in town, <laughs> like a fucking Olive Garden or a shit-ass Chick-fil-A or some shit, and they just zoom in on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe we'll get uh, a Nana Rose repping her, her favorite brand name, Incontinence Supplies. Or, or her favorite uh, fiber. All, all those things that are definitely in the Target demos uh, uh, <laughs> buying... Uh, So I think that's enough about uh, the present of the show. Let us talk about the past future instead. It is time once again to ask, where were they then about Monroe? So last time we saw Monroe. Last time we saw Monroe Mad Dog Moore. uh, He was picked up on a football scholarship to Notre Dame University in South Bend, Indiana. Mm -hmm. Far, far away from the madness of suburban New York City. Upstate New York to suburban New York City. As soon as you get past the airport, you are in upstate New York. So, what do you what do you think Mad Dog's been up to? I think Monroe played a, a season and a half of football for for the Fighting Irish before a career ending injury. Mm-hmm. However, he was already so uh, into the collegiate life and had impressed people so much that they, he uh, was able to transfer to an academic scholarship. Uh, he, uh, like, roomed with one of his TAs off campus, uh, rent-free. Like, a lot of people took him under his wing to help him get his bearings. He now, uh, following Archie's example, runs a gym-slash-like kids-off-the-street program called Mad Dogs in Pittsburgh. Oh. You know, he is really helping out uh, uh, disadvantaged youth in a place that is not riddled with bullets and, and crime lords trying to, to destroy him, which gives him the freedom to also support his grandmother alongside. Yeah. That's what I think is up with nice. Monroe Moore. It's nice. What, what do you think happened to, to Monroe since? So I, I think similar, where you know he went. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he really got much of a collegiate football career mm-hmm. because, you know, he was pumping his injury up with this with, stuff. Yeah, and with just, Archie's uncle's magic drugs. And just like immediately that did not go well. Every tendon exploded. Yes. Yeah. You know, they went through like a let's see if we can make you better thing. But then no. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you think he studied? What do, you, what do you think he ended up in? He didn't really share a lot of hobbies aside <laughs> from like muscle things. Yeah. So I, I want to say uh, English literature yeah. or mathematics. I don't know why. I'm going to say he ended up in education. Okay, okay. Uh, and is the only person in the cast, aside from, I guess, Kevin, who is certified to actually teach anywhere. <laughs> 
Uh, and Monroe is, yes, living a good life, teaching and inspiring youth, you know, places where he can make a big difference, supporting his grandma and all that. But he also is happily married. He has three children. Oh, he's like, a daddy. He's a daddy. Three kids in only seven years. He got to work. Gr- twins and okay. another one. Okay. Okay. Grandma lives with them. Yeah. They're, they're just kind of living like, you know, the best life as a family and, and enjoying mm-hmm. family time. Yeah. His little brother is, is going to school nearby. Yeah. Yeah. And he, they have extra rooms to, like, take that spare kid under their wing and whatnot when they need to. They're, they're the house that everyone goes to and creates community. I, I like that both of our ideas for, for Mad Dog are like, what if Archie was a good boy? <laughs> what, if, what if Archie was a success and he, like, stuck with one of his projects and he did real good at it? I think it's more like, Mad Dog deserves good things. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to give it to him. But I like the idea of him him being, like, the first one to, like, settle down, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. have some kids. Like, he met his his significant other in college. Oh, college they, sweeties. College sweeties. They, they eloped with just grandma and, and brother and immediate family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also well, you know, why, the pandemic was on. Well, and also why it was, like, you know... So quick to the babies. Ah, oh. Well, not oh. not that they were looking for, like, because <laughs> okay. of that. But I mean, like, you know, it wasn't like a drawn out. Yeah, yeah. They they knew. They they knew from the jump. Mm-hmm. It's fate. It's fate. To, to move on from the, the past future, it is now time to talk about the future future. Darling, do you have any predictions? I know you do. Well, so, I mean, one of mine I already shared, which is that Nana Rose totally has more bodies. Yes. So she does. Mm-hmm. I'm reiterating that one. What, at least one of them is for her to, to reincarnate her soul when her current husk gives away. Oh, yeah. You think Nana Rose is only two generations back? Nana Rose is the root of the of the Blossom family tree. I guess it's more of a, a bush because they're all roses. The, yeah. the Blossom bush. The Blossom bush. Um, so I was thinking about... You think Tony likes the Blossom bush? I knew you were going to go there. They don't like her. They made that very clear. So I have a couple, like, uh, predictions connected to, like, alien conspiracy things here, okay? Sure, sure. So uh, one of them, what if Dr. Curdle Jr. took the body? Oh, for his research. What if he, like, totally, like, chloroformed Jughead Mm -hmm, in the parking mm -hmm, lot mm -hmm. and took the body? And part of this is because it's a family thing. Of dealing with the Mothmen. What if Dr. Curdle Sr. is whatever the Mothmen are, he is one of them. Yeah. And he was called back home. That's why Curdle Jr. is, is in charge of the morgue. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They they mentioned, like, an army base alien connection. Yes. I, if it's that route, I think Hiram is totally connected with this bullshit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and whatever this, like, turnpike... You know, not really the end game thing is. It has to do with that. I think well, one of mine that I wrote down is that I think these Mothmen are a cover story for some sort of medical experiments that Hiram is involved in, involved with his actual true secret plan. Yeah. The, this yellow light is a hypnosis beam that yeah. he is, uh, is using to, to 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 keep the hard evidence away and replace it with this supernatural cover story. Yeah. Yeah. He has a yellow hypnosis beam. So Hiram really wants the Blossom Maple Field. He does. What if there is some connection with the maple, actually, to the Mothman? It's where the dead Mothman was found. Yes. 
And, like, I feel like this is a thing that connects to the plan that I haven't quite worked out yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's something about it. There, I feel like there's a lot of connections here to this alien conspiracy thing. Maybe uh, old man Dreyfus's mine was, you know, adjacent to the maple field. Though, quite honestly, I really just want it to be aliens. <laughs> Obviously. I really just want it to be straight-up fucking aliens. Easy one. Cheryl is going to be painting forgeries for the art dealer, uh, Miss Marble, now, instead of for her own benefit. Oh, yeah. That's, like, so obvious. That's a bit of a softball. Yeah. Uh, the mid-season finale. So look ahead to, to December's episodes. But the mid-season finale will be the Katie Keene uh, uh, main cast reunion. Ugh. We're going to get Jorge. We're going to get Pepper. Why are we going to get Pepper? I don't know. The The one episode we saw didn't tell me why she, she deserves to be there. Are we going to get Josie? Is Kevin and Josie going to get a reunion? That would be great. I would love that. They're supposed to be siblings. They are step-siblings. They like each other they, as good friends and step-siblings. They seem to like each other. I would honestly like just like an episode or something where like Kevin's on the phone with Josie. Like yes. we don't even need to hear her. Just the idea that like... He talks to her. We don't even need to see him on the phone. He could just mention it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I was talking to Josie earlier. Because they seem to have, like, the best family relationship in the entire history of the show. And they were family for, like, two months. <laughs> yes. With predictions behind us, that brings us to talking about the future properly. What we know will happen. Uh, next week, we are back with Chapter 84, Lock and Key. There are about six movies named Lock and Key. <laughs> uh, at least, I don't know. Are you going to sum up all of them for us? I will say it's most likely that this is a reference actually to the comic book series Lock and Key by Joe Hill. Uh, which is fantastic. Uh, it, it is a great horror book and also heart-wrenching family drama about the, these uh, two teens and a young child, these siblings and their mother and, you know, the friends they make in this town as the story grows and, and widens and, you know, family legacy. It, it ran for a while, so the story's about a lot of things, but it's really, really good. I, I recommend them a lot. It got uh, um, adapted into a Netflix show recently. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing that. That I heard mixed things about and haven't seen yet myself. But the, the source material is great. So, what we know. Cheryl's throwing a party. A key party at that. So, you know, free pass to do whatever you want. And apparently that means Reggie kissing fangs. Chad is invited. Why? Why is Veronica talking to him again? Why is anyone talking to him? Why are we inviting him places? Did he just show up? Probably. I, I hope that's it. I hope he just shows up because I don't want anyone to invite his company. That seems to be the only thing that happens in Veronica's life is people just show up. Maybe, maybe Cheryl inviting him without telling anyone just to sow chaos the way Cheryl does. Maybe. The way season one Cheryl did. Well, Archie's all like, get your hands off her. At some point. Uh, we also see this fireman calendar shoot, apparently. I can assume. Either that Wh Why or... else would he be in the, the well, big pants and no shirt? Because they finally got the equipment and he just wanted to show off the <laughs> pants. Yeah, they're, they're buying the, the fire gear one thing at a time. Yes, and that's really it. That's it. After our uh, week's interruption, we, we are back with weekly episodes again, at least for a little while. Uh, so look forward to that. If you're a nice person, you can leave us a rating and review where you listen to us. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do that, you're a big fucking meanie head. You smell like poo. And it's not very nice of you to smell like poo. 
Okay, so you, like, tell me I'm not nice to our listeners when I, like, tell them they're rude for not leaving us a rating or review, but I don't call them, like, poo-smelly people. They're also very mean, and they kick cats. When they think they can get away with it, nobody's watching, but guess what? People are watching. I saw you kick that cat. You very mean person. Unless you leave us a review, and then you deserve happiness. You can also tell a friend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can also follow us on Twitter. Yes. At sex underscore Archie. Mm-hmm. Thank you to everybody who is patient about this other show that I just launched that, that uh, I've been hinting at as we built up quite a large backlog. Uh, it is called Bizarre Podcast Dogs Must Die. It is now available on pretty much any major podcatcher. If it's not on what you use, uh, let me know and I'll get it there. Uh, uh, well, I'll tell my collaborator who's actually managing the feed, but you know, it, it just might take a little while. We'll, we'll get it taken care of. But that has had a fantastic and very gratifying launch as our, our first two episodes are out now. And by the time you're hearing this, it'll be almost time for the third, which is the end of the very first story of uh, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, the Part one moves very, very quickly, and it's quite short. So if you've been waiting to get in on it, those first three episodes that, that cover that first bizarre adventure is, is a, a great, is a nice compact little trilogy to, to get a full story there. So I, I'd recommend that. Yeah. But I guess that's all of our business for today. So with that, I'm Elena. I'm Grant. And from us here at Sex Archie. Oh, that's where this is going.